0: Hello everybody, this is Melanie, and welcome to the second part of this travel episode of the Savvy Girls Podcast. When I last left you, I was in Sudan and I didn't know if I was leaving. So sit back, put your knitting sticks somewhere safe because there's a plane to get on, and enjoy the show. And I say Wait, hey, hey, it's just an day, and it's all your state of mind. At the end of
1: the day, you just got to say it's alright. Wow, is there ever a lot to update? Alright, I am not sure where to begin. Okay, um this is I really don't know where to start. It has a lot has happened. I didn't have batteries for the podcast machine and I had no I know they're everywhere, but I still I didn't have any. I had no way to get any, and by no way. Anyway, okay, yeah. Start at the beginning. So when we last, when I last left you, I was in Sudan. I was wondering how it was going to work. If there was going to be drama at the airport, would I have to register? Even though it had been under three days, the answer to all of those questions is yes yes, I should have registered, yes, there was drama at the airport, but yes, it all worked out. So, if you're wondering about, I'm sure I'm going to forget some details. If you would like all all the details, I have been writing daily updates. I've been posting them on the Savvy Girls page, and they are there, and I, maybe we can link to them in show notes, and that will give you some more detailed and on-the-spot updates of what has been happening. But From what I can remember, and I am so exhausted, I can barely remember what I was doing. Actually, no, I know what I was doing. I've been editing podcast segments to sort of get caught up. But anyway... All right, so I went to the airport in Sudan. I was told by my host that they would try to get money from me, but I did not have to pay them anything. I did not need any money, which was good because I spent the last of the 20 American dollars I had with me on lunch that day. My host actually, my he came home, he had a nap, he woke up. We went out for a lovely Greek lunch well Well, everyone else in the city was at the mosque. There were, there are a couple sort of clandestine restaurants open. And to correct, I did say the imam is calling people to prayer. It's the muezin? I I don't know if I said that right. So I did mess that up, but there was no way to fix it in the last segment. So I am just saying that now. Anyway, we went to lunch at a, we had a Greek breakfast, was, was essentially bread, just putting things on bread and, I ate a whole lot of carbs, which was fantastic because I basically didn't eat for almost a full day after that. All right, so I was at the airport. Um, they said my ticket would be solved. Of course, my ticket wasn't solved. One person didn't know what was going on. The next didn't know what was going on. We waited, we waited, we waited. Eventually, somebody did reinstate the ticket. He said he could only print out the boarding pass for in to, to Ethiopia, not all the way to Paris. But don't worry, it'll be fine. Yeah, you can guess what happened there. We're getting to that. So I had to fill out an exit form, take it to this desk, take it to another desk. I went to passport control, and yes, it turned out I was supposed to register. The rule is if you're under three days, you don't have to register. But apparently, either the rule had changed or they were trying to shake me down. They said if you were there, even an hour, you had to register. And They were willing to do it at the airport, but it was going to cost $85. Sudanese dollars, which was something like $7, but I had zero of any currency. There was no money in me or available from me since ATMs there do not dispense money from from outside the country. They're They're not international ATMs because the international banking companies have sanctions against Sudan. So I couldn't get any money. I explained this to the different people, went back and forth, got stamps and more stamps and and scribbles on a piece of paper that I couldn't read, and eventually they let me through. I didn't have to pay. I got on an airplane, flew to Ethiopia, to Addis Ababa, where I also could not take out money because my bank card, it turned out, had been left in Bangkok. So I had my credit cards, but nothing else. And at that airport, there was nowhere to use my credit cards, except duty-free, which didn't really have food. I was considering buying a thing full of chocolates, but I just, I don't love chocolate, and it just, I just didn't. I didn't. And anyway, my almost entire four-hour stopover was taken up with more drama, and I'm not even going to get into how many different people I needed to talk to, but let's, it's all written online in the update, but let's just say that my ticket did not work. Everything that they said about it working out Did not work, and no one there wanted to deal with it. They said it was Sudan's problem or my problem, but not their problem. And yes, these are official airline people. And once one of the supervisors finally got there, he actually managed to solve it. And according to him, I just had to show them my credit card to show them that it was the same card the ticket was booked on, which is what I knew I'd have to do in the first place. And he said this whole canceled ticket thing didn't actually happen. So who knows who was right? Who knows who was wrong? I spent a long time in the Ethiopian airport being frustrated and then almost missed the flight because I had to go through security. I waited in one line and then it turned out it was the wrong line and waited in another line. And I wasn't the only one from my flight waiting in the incorrect line. So it certainly wasn't just me. They, were, I think actually they just changed the different lines halfway through because there were people yelling. There were people physically threatening one of the security people, and nothing happened. I mean, they they just went crazy because they were frustrated. And at any other airport, that person would have been taken down, he would have been dragged away somewhere. And honestly, for good reason, because it was quite scary. And By the time I got on my flight, I realized that probably it happens all the time because I saw it happen a second time because I went to board or I went to line up for my flight and I had been wondering why they weren't showing my flight on the television and they were showing every other flight. And one of the agents who had not really been helping me told me that the TV was broken and I... But it it kept updating with every flight but mine, because they got the flight wrong. And instead of saying it was going to Paris, they said it was going to Brussels, Belgium. And this is something like two days after the terrorist attacks. and, And everyone was stressed out about Brussels in general. And these are a bunch of angry Parisians who wanted to get to Paris. And then not only did it say the flight was going to Brussels, but it said the flight to Brussels had departed. And... There was so much yelling. This one man just started screaming. Which watch line are we supposed to be in? And none of the agents co- agents could speak French, and most of the Parisians wouldn't or couldn't speak English. And there was it was so much drama. Anyway, so much drama. But in the end, we got on the flight. I magically somehow got two seats to myself. I actually by magically I was crammed in with a bunch of other people and I moved this one guy clearly had expected as I did on the earlier flight. I had hoped to get three seats so he could lie down and sleep because his wife had, she, she had three seats and he had expected to get three seats and I just plopped myself down and just pretended not to see his dirty looks because I was not being crammed in like a sardine when there was this lovely room so I was that person and you know what I don't I'm not even sorry because he and his wife the two of them together could have cuddled or something and I was alone so too bad anyway landed in Paris we're up to March 26th. landed in Paris I was lucky enough to get to go to the Peninsula Hotel here in Paris for high tea and let me tell you it was amazing it was probably the best thing in the world food wise i had had it the, it was so good it was they were works of art high tea at the peninsula if you come to paris splurge on it go you can share it it's something like 45 euros a person but you can actually get one and just share and it's enough food so go go do it it's a wonderful parisian experience i can't talk about everything on the podcast um but I had gone to Paris. I had expected to be here until the 13th. That had been the plan, and it didn't work out exactly how I had hoped it would work out. And I didn't want to stay in Paris, because I was tired, and it was just uh, depressing. And I my, I was sitting in a cafe, basically feeling sorry for myself on the internet, and one of my friends, Petra, in Prague said, Just come to Prague! So I looked up tickets, and there was a ticket leaving the next day on Easter Monday, going to Prague, and I, it was really cheap. It ended up being under $200 return, which was about how much it would have cost me to stay in Paris for that time. So I hopped on a plane, went to Prague, and I spent four days with my friends in Prague. And we didn't podcast because I had no bank card, I had very little money, and I guess I could have used a credit card to buy batteries. But I just... I just, I didn't, and I feel like I should. But Prague was quick. It was only a couple days, but I saw Petra. I saw all these people who have been on earlier podcasts. I saw Alice, my pianist. I saw Esther, my friends. I saw her, she wasn't there. She's in Montreal, but I saw her mother and her sister. And it was just a lovely short trip. And we managed to, Petra and I drove out to Yablonitz where the button store is and we bought some more check glass buttons and some for podcast prizes so that that was that that was done and then I flew back and well now I am heading to Dunkirk renting a car driving up and there will be a completely different adventure coming up in the next few days and I'm excited to tell you about that and to experience it. So that's I guess caught you up to where
0: I am right now. You
1: I am podcasting right now from Dunkirk, France, and with me is Alexandra. Hello, Alexandra. Hello. Now, Alexandra has not been on the podcast before, but I've talked about her on the podcast before. She is my pen friend and friend friend, who lives in London, but she's from IKEA. Ha ha
2: ha.
1: She's from Sweden, and we had a bit of a we had our yarn adventure in Dunkirk. So, um, do you want to tell about it because you have a better accent than I have?
2: <laughs> you can tell in Swedish. Yeah. I don't think I should do that because nobody speaks Swedish.
1: Can you say I hate knitting in
2: Swedish? No, that would break my heart. Okay, fine. Can you say I love knitting? Uh, is, that, that, would be, that would be taking it a step too far. Your stickning.
1: I like, so. I like knitting. Yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> no, I love it. Oh. That's, what I, uh, oh. that's what I said. It's not what I necessarily confessed to.
1: Anyway, yeah. tell us about the day. What, what do we do? Why are we here? Uh,
2: I'll have a nap. Yeah. So we're in France because there's a bit of a crisis with lots of migrants coming to Europe.
1: That's and how a British would put it. It's a bit of a crisis. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a wee bubble.
2: <laughs> but so seeing as Melanie was going to be in Europe and I'm already in Europe and we wanted to meet, we thought we'd combine meeting with going and doing something useful.
1: This was all Alexander's idea. I will not I take credit. I thought you wanted to meet me. Oh, I wanted to see yeah. you. But I thought we were going on a mini break to just do girly things.
2: Yeah, that's actually, I feel a little bit bad because Melanie, no. Melanie suggested these wonderful, lovely places to go. And then I said, can we go to a refugee camp and do things instead? And,
1: and I said yes. She yes. Now, you hadn't mentioned how much knitting would be involved. But... I, I actually, I I opened, you did. Um, yeah. You did, I think. Well, I didn't listen um, at all. So, as usual usual when you talk about knitting so okay here we are in Dunkirk how to just talk about the day a little bit so you showed up with a giant thing full of yarn yeah so I
2: basically I basically thought it would be a good idea to do some yarny stuff and knitting stuff with people because it's nice for people to be creative and just use knitting as a vehicle for social interaction and stuff so I begged people for yarn donations and I
1: how many balls of yarn do you think you
2: have? I have no idea. I them. couldn't even bring all the yarn people donated. People were so, so generous.
1: And the yarn is beautiful. It oh, it's
2: beautiful. Is really yarn. beautiful
1: yarn. I mean, it feels so soft and it's chunky, most of it.
2: Even you enjoyed knitting with it. I did enjoy
1: knitting with so it, I will admit. And
2: lovely knitting needles as well. Oh, what were they made out of? This dark rosewood? Yeah. Teak rose rosewood. Also good as weapons.
1: Also good, we saw, as we in discussed. the hands of children as weapons. So, yes. all right, we went to the camp. Knitting didn't happen till later. We got there with the yarn, and we were told by one of the camp, whoever was in charge that day, um, that we were on food details. So we went to the kitchen, and we yes. chopped. And we chopped. And you were very patient, because I was in a bad mood, because I was exhausted, and I was worried someone would lose their finger, and more worried that I would be that someone.
2: She wasn't bad.
1: I was in a bad mood. She, Alexander's nice. She was very patient, but... Too bad, because that's over. Um, <laughs> um, that was the first bad mood of the day. So um, we chopped everything, like kiwis and
2: well, mostly fruit, fruit, and some fingers.
1: No fingers. There were two times. Like, did you did you chop? Oh, what? Why? Not deliberately. She's missing three fingers. <laughs> <laughs> She's, she put a plaster on it with a <laughs> up upper lip and didn't mention it all day I just
2: thought she'd add some extra protein to the fruit salad I don't know blood is protein oh the fingers yeah
1: she has a little cut on her knuckles Um, so we cut fruit and then we ended up serving oh you washed up because you're a better person than I am <laughs> and then um, we ended up serving fruit at, at a snack a food cart where people the refugees come up to get their food mm. and everyone was really polite and queued up quite nicely. Apart
2: from the ones that tried to insist that the two different containers of fruit salad were different. They were wanted Yeah, but we pretended that they weren't. Yeah, okay, we that lied. That was our party line. That was our party line.
1: One had significantly more bananas. The other, it was basically all pear because I had made a good deal of the all pear one because I had spent about an hour chopping pears.
2: So. And you shouldn't forget about the porridge that split the camp, essentially.
1: Um, all the volunteers, especially the German volunteers, loved the porridge because the volunteers eat generally the same food as the, as the migrants do. This is, to be fair, they're in the camp. They're, you cook and they eat, and if the food is gone, the volunteers don't eat. So, fair enough. But um, the German volunteers loved this porridge, and I was lectured for about four minutes by a chef who came up, tasted it, a migrant chef, came up, tasted it, and explained exactly how disgusting it was and why.
2: And also, it was cold.
1: It was cold and kind of... Solid. And solid. Solid, solid. There was yeah, so that was breakfast, and after breakfast, how did we end up outside?
2: We did more washing up. Oh, we did
1: more washing up, and then we went to see if we could teach knitting with your your knitting, and we got put on perimeter detail. Can you explain?
2: Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure I can explain, but anyway, this the the camp is just off the highway. Um, really and, fast cars. Yeah, I mean a proper proper highway as proper as it gets in France and so for the migrants if they want to go anywhere they have to walk along the highway and cross it at dangerous points and so the camp places volunteers in different places to make sure that it goes smoothly and you have to wear a high visibility vest. Yes, yellow, you, yellow kitty. And you get to have a walkie-talkie. So you get to look cool and be official looking. Except our walkie-talkie, we went through two or three walkie-talkies. Yeah, we weren't so good with this. <laughs> no. but So we we did that for quite Four a long time. Four hours,
0: actually. But it, we, it was but we,
2: fun. <laughs> we combined it with knitting. And as soon as we started knitting, it meant that the, the migrants, when they were crossing the road, they would stop and ask us to... Sh- well, they didn't ask us to be... Shame to be honest. They didn't, you, you offered. Well, they, they heckled but, us a little, and then you offered. And they were. it was amazing to see how these, it was all men, but they, they were very interested in the craft. Mostly and several, young men. Yeah, and several of them actually wanted to have a go. It was, it was a really nice way to interact with people.
1: And it was actually, I think, a lot of fun for these young men, because these are young men of working age. I mean, if they were in any other country, they would be in jobs actually getting money and getting respect and getting be feeling useful and really there's nothing they can do. And I think the people living around here from what we saw from our perch by the side of the highway are not perhaps regarded with the most respect. Um, That is true. That is true. So the fact that they could come and be a little flirty with us and.
2: Well, only one of us got a marriage proposal and it wasn't me. Well,
1: I said I was from Canada. Of course he proposed. Two I people. Saw two a,
2: people asked to buy a wedding ring. Two people quite like my Swedishness as well. Good point. But,
1: but um yeah, they got to knit a little bit, and they, their friends got to heckle them, and they just sort of had a moment of as far as normalcy can be with knitting
2: next to a highway, a highway
1: on a table beside one of the otter routes, Yeah, but um, we we got a fair amount of it. it was nice. Um yeah, sun. We got mm-hmm. sun. We really sun got sun. T- you got sunburn. Um. Some of the passing drivers were not overly polite. That is correct. We got called sluts in French. Yep. Yep. Not in a
2: sexy way, but just, I think it was an insult. I I tried to take it as a compliment, (laughs) but yeah,
1: Yeah, not so much. And then there were other volunteers at our post briefly, and they said that a bunch of, um, a bunch of motorcyclists came past and gave them the Heil Hitler salute. So that, um, perhaps, yeah, and we got honked out a few times. So, People around here don't. Um.
2: Which makes it very important that the camp is run as as properly as possible because it's not an official camp. Yes, it's, it doesn't have any any backing from the authorities. So the organizers want to make really sure that it's everything goes goes well and people who are helping out are behaving properly and stuff. Because otherwise, it could it could get closed down like um, absolutely like the one in Calais.
1: So we decided after we were done our four-hour stint there that it was time. It was time for knitting. So can you tell? Ta- this is your chance. <laughs> to, to, I'm settling back with my salt, not salty, sandy beach Talk about talk about knitting.
2: You enjoyed it too. Mm-hmm.
1: So what happened? Yeah. We came in with your giant IKEA bag because you're yeah, from so Sweden. Full of full of course. Of yarn.
2: Where else would you pack a ton of yarn that you've carted all the way from England? Exactly. We. We just wanted to find some people who might benefit from having a, just a tiny, tiny little bit of a respite from the dreariness of having been, you know, on the run from, from bad situations for a while. So okay. we, and we just we'd already interacted with a fair few um, grown men, which I don't mean in the way that it sounds. Even not. though we were called. Yeah, but not okay. by them.
1: Not by them. They were so polite and just delightful actually. I yeah. Every single interaction we have with the migrants. Oh no,
2: definitely. Was
1: so polite, so
2: respectful. The tone all around the camp is is really nice. Um but so we we, we we took our wares and we walked around the camp a bit to find some suitable victims. Um and we and watched. Well we we Let's get the children. Yeah, absolutely. No one's we watching we, them. We we saw some <laughs> innocents playing um, and we we just walked up and kind of saw if they wanted to do just some simple things with yarn and creative stuff and and yeah they, they pounced no it, it it was great we had dozens of kids who wanted to, do, to try out knitting or crochet or do little twisted cord bracelets or just anything and we it was just kind of we didn't we didn't try to teach properly or stuff like that it was just informal and just allowing children to be creative and run around and. Yeah, some of them try to stab each other with knitting needles. Some of
1: them used them to pound yeah. on things. And
2: also, I've, I've never seen that much yarn tangled up. It was such a big area. Oh,
1: it was everywhere. And,
2: yeah. And there was one kid. Did you see the kid who was trying to tie me up the whole time as well? Yes, this?
1: I saw the kid who was biking yeah. and some yarn had got caught in her bike. And it was
2: But it was amazing to see everywhere. how people just enjoyed themselves and just played with things and...
1: And one, there was there was a mother, at least one mother who came out, and the woman at the beginning who started yeah. knitting, and then she she took some yarn away, and she took the needles away, and clearly she could knit, she didn't need a lesson. But
2: several together. of the kids as well, and there were there were at least a couple of the boys who knew either to crochet or to knit before, so mm-hmm. it was it was nice to see that even though we may think that we don't have a lot in common, there's obviously lots of things we do have in common, and one of them is crafting, because it's one of those basic things that that people just do. So,
1: yeah and it was you know if people just thought about that instead of about how i don't know everyone is talking about how different people are right now and this migrant crisis it could be anybody you know
2: yeah they're we, really
1: not that different unless you don't like crochet they yeah,
2: <laughs> are especially when you see the kids running around and being really excited about having made something mm-hmm. with, with their own two hands and showing it up and stuff
1: so we made twisty bracelets and yep. twisty headbands and twisty other things, anything twisty,
2: and, and some knitting, and some knitting. crochet, and some just random running around with yarn. Um. They
1: love the running. They love matching colors too. The kids love that, and not always the colors you'd expect is interesting. Girls were into bright colors, not necessarily the pinks, which
2: was really nice to see. No, it was it was fun.
1: So yeah, that's and now and then we went to look at the beach where the whole dunker happened. Yep, and. Then we ate pizza and, for you, not pizza salad. And now or we're back. A
2: salad that didn't actually have any salad. It so had, had... roll. Yeah, that's but right. No, salad. no, there were actually no vegetables at all. There was only some fruits.
1: No, there were. Um, what are those? Not Brussels sprouts, bean sprouts.
2: No. Oh, that's true. Yeah, what it was are probably those well, It was probably alfalfa. Or alfalfa
1: sprouts. But normally, really?
2: normally with a salad, I would expect.
1: They did use the word salad. This wasn't a bad yeah. translation. They specifically said in French, artisanal salad. They didn't
2: say that it was a salmon fruit salad, they which is... yeah. So. That was interesting. It was, a, it was an interesting day. A wonderful, wonderful day. And tomorrow, though, we have some yarn
1: that is left. So once yes, we untangle it, we'll bring it
2: There are already people who have asked us if we came back, like some of the children were saying tomorrow, because yeah. so, some of them have some English, and... Obviously, the useful words, and by now they probably know "nitty." That's true. Stuff. Hopefully, not the swear words.
1: Hopefully not. So yeah.
2: Which we, I certainly didn't use any swear words.
1: Neither did I. I don't. Right. Not even one. Okay, I think enough for tonight, and we will check back tomorrow. Great. we are um, here I should put this down. okay here I am. I am currently in a traffic jam in Belgium of all places and I thought I would do a little bit of an update. let's see. So last you heard we were talking with Alexandra about working in the in the migrant camp and how that or volunteering and how that went and after that the next day I drove off to have a, that was yesterday I drove off to have some adventures and I thought I would take a day and do a bunch of things that I really wanted to do and no they were not knitting related So first I drove to the beach I forget it was like Zuohut something um, I think it was either right it was right before the Belgian border but it was actually a, a Belgian name of the beach but anyway it was just north of Dunkirk and there were actually boats from the Dunkirk evacuation of 1940, when the American and a bunch of the French troops were evacuated from the beaches of Dunkirk. And if you don't know about that, that is a fascinating bit of history right there. They had to abandon all of their tanks, most of their guns. They were just getting people out before the Germans got there. And they did get a lot, not everybody, I think six out of seven well, there were thousands, but six out of seven soldiers, if there were seven, got out. But some of the boats, and they had, they had to get out in fishing boats because the big boats couldn't get to the land. So all these tiny fishing boats came over from Dover to get people out. And it was something like a three or four day operation and they got thousands of people out. So some of the shells of the old boats, because the waters were mined and some boats did get run aground also, the the shells are still there and they're they're visible at low tide so I hurried I didn't get there quite in time in the morning to see the boat but I could see the the tiny little the little masts mastlets or whatever was left sitting there just over the water with birds perched on them so I saw those and then since I have a car I've rented a car I thought okay I could hurry to return the car to Paris or I could just go on and like I said spend a day Wow, this traffic is very confusing. I'm being completely rerouted, so I may be very late returning the car. Here's hoping I won't. Anyway, I hope that maybe that's a policeman directing things. I really hope it is. Yes, that's nice. She's very grumpy. Oh, he's directing. It's half and half. Oh, I get it. Unfortunately, I don't really know where I'm going to be going. Um... Yeah, this is... I guess I just follow everybody else. Um... Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm putting this down for a sec, because maybe I could ask him where I'm going. That would be good to know. Oh, he's gone. Even better. Babu. I don't know where I'm going. Um... Well. There's a lot of trucks everywhere. Clearly, they're not pleased with this.
0: Make a U turn, then turn left onto the ramp to E42.
1: Pardon? Pour aller à Paris, je dois être en cette direction. Ah, okay. Okay, alles. Okay. I don't speak Flemish, uh, but that means everything sucks. So, okay. Then I will be on this road. This road, I will try to turn on this jammy, jammed road. Okay. So I may never return the car. Pardon? Pour aller à Paris, c'est par là. Okay, moi aussi, j'ai. Okay, France, c'est par là. Okay, super.
0: Hi, adventures!
1: Okay, at least everyone's really nice. So, okay, I, then I drove, and I've been reading, well, not a lot, I wish I could read more, but I've read some books about World War One. and wow, this is some traffic jam. And there were a few sites that I wanted to see, so I ended up in Pass... I don't know how it's pronounced. Pass... R- 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 where the Canadian troops had basically... Wonder. Okay, this guy just got out of his car and he's walking over to another car. Passendale. I wonder if I'll get in right now. Okay, right now. Yes. Right now, I'm facing a whole bunch of cars. I, I'm trying to. I'm going to be trying to merge onto completely unmoving, packed traffic that might be going in the wrong direction. But um. I, and I'm the second to merge, so I hope the woman before me. as aggressive as i plan to be because yay we're driving in belgium okay let me go let me go come on good people thank you truck who is not gonna hit me Woo! okay i'm heading in a direction (laughs) who knows what direction it is um This is the second route on my GPS. There was a giant car crash or some kind of delay um, on the main route. And this was my clever take the secondary route. And yeah, it's closed. Also, possibly the same thing. Who knows? But, um, and this car, although it is an automatic, acts like a manual car a lot of the time and decides to slide backwards whenever I take my foot off the gas. And there is no parking brake because it's automatic parking brake. You know what? Most automatic cars have a parking brake, but this one doesn't. Yay! Alright, so then I went to, I think it's called Passenger... and it was a major offensive by, oh, the Parisian lady just ran out of her car and is running away. Okay, this actually looks like if the zombies attacked, what would be happening with people just leaving their cars? I mean, maybe she went for a jog. People like having good figures in Paris. Oh no, she's running away. She's running to the policeman, and she's sort of bouncing. Oh, she's still bouncing. It must be cold out there. Um. Anyway, all right. So I'm trying to be serious. I went to this World War One site. Thousands of people died. It was one of those.
0: GPS signal lost.
1: It was one of those up to their necks in mud situations in 1918 and 1917. There was fighting both years around there. And it's actually amazing to look down because they were gaining. The Canadian troops, particularly, were gaining the high ground here. And to gain the high ground, you're fighting upwards, and you're definitely at a disadvantage. And thousands, I think, fourteen thousand Canadians actually died right there at that, on that field, at that site. And it was very. It was a moment. I have to say, um, it was something I had wanted to see. I'm really glad I took the time out to see it, and I did then bruges i went to bruges because of the movie in bruges where it's violent and Brad Pitt is in it and anyway it was a movie i quite liked and it was in bruges basically they shot up all of bruges so i went to see that uh the woman's bouncing running back oh everyone's getting out of their cars should i get out of my car no oh, i'm now sliding backwards into a truck don't worry mom i'm being safe oh good there's a whole there's a whole troop of us Going off this unmoving traffic jam, and I assume we're doing a Yui and getting up going to Paris by somehow going into complete. Oh, good, a policeman. Okay, I'm gonna. Maybe he'll he'll actually talk to me. Pour uh... Paris, par là ou par là? Okay, alors je vais par là. Je tourne et je retourne Paris. Tournez et après ça, je Okay, merci. All right, so, uh, why are the windshield wipers, I hate this car, hate it, hate it, hate it, all right, so anyway, then after Bruges, I ended up in Brussels, it was a bit of a drive, but I actually had a place to stay in Brussels, it was a really nice hotel, and I ended up, I was working there, not like that sounds, but, um, I, I got to stay for free, so I, 500 meters. Merge onto AA. yeah, they're there. You know, everyone else going to Paris totally just cut in traffic earlier. And there's a man taking pictures with his keys in his mouth. Um, Yeah, totally zombie attack moment. Anyway. Continue on N48 for one and a half kilometers. I can't. It's impossible, dude. (sighs) So much for my lunch break. I just got taken up by this. It's going to be a bit of a rush to return the car. But anyway, I can show cleavage and, and cry. It'll be fine. Um, I ended up in Brussels. I know a lot of people are not going to Brussels right now, but I felt that I wanted. Okay, we're totally yuiing. No one's looking. Woohoo! All right. So people weren't going to Brussels. Fairly obvious reasons: terrorist attacks and all that. But I feel personally the best way. I personally feel the best way to deal with the whole terrorism is just to not ignore it, clearly. Because I think everyone there is thinking, you know, if I'm in this restaurant and a bomb explodes, what do I do? Or if someone starts shooting, what do I do? And every everyone has that in mind, in constantly.
0: Leaders,
1: but I don't think people should live in fear. And I think that to do that, Brussels is the place to be. Besides, they're on high alert right now. If something else happens, it's very unlikely it's actually going to happen there. So I went to Brussels, uh walked around for a few hours, saw the little peeing statue, little boy peeing statue that is so famous there that I, last time I was there was when Deborah In got her dog. Meters, make a um, I guess it was 10 years ago. And I remember I was I called mom and she said, Oh, by the way, Deborah adopted a dog. And I thought, what? She what? And so that was a lot of long distance that time to get excited about this dog and hear the story and and that was the last time I was in Brussels and, and here I am again and the city looked basically the same except for the metro was closed because of the terrorist attacks and there were flowers everywhere and a bunch of statues and there was a Jacques Brel museum which might be a permanent thing but just in case it wasn't I said Jacques Brel I have to go and, and they were about to close it was their last because it's about an hour to go through it and it was their last entry and they had just closed the door and I talked my way in and managed to go see it, which was nice, and uh, I ate food, and I slept, and I am slightly less tired than every other day in recent memory, so also I had coffee this morning, which also probably helped that, and now I'm in some crazy traffic jam, moving in what I believe is the incorrect direction to get to Paris. Oh, no, you're not. Sorry someone was trying to cut and I'm sorry I am so lost I'm gonna end up doing this loop one direction and then the other direction probably forever so um yeah I wish it would just put me on a different they said something about going to Lille Lille, little little I wish those other people from France hadn't gotten away Cause I would just all of them. One
0: hundred meters at the roundabout. Take the fifth exit and stay on Charles de N forty eight.
1: I don't know what to do. Anyway, I'm gonna go and try to play with my GPS and totally not crash and see what's gonna happen. So, more later, everybody. More from France. <laughs>
0: I waited a little too long to record this last segment of the podcast. I've been back for a couple weeks now, but I <coughs> I have got plague. I've plague. I'm supposed to be on vocal rest. I am not supposed to talk, but I want this podcast to be finished. And so I am going to stumble my way through and then never talk again, essentially. So, phew. For once I didn't catch the plague on the trip. I actually managed to finish this trip plague free. I think I probably caught this on the airplane flying from Edmonton to New York, but um that's another story in another podcast. But anyways, so let's see when I last left you, I was heading back to Paris and I spent about 5 days, I think or 6 days in Paris. And I did all sorts of things during those days. I did spend a lot of time in the cafe at the corner of where I was staying and that was fun it was fun at first except the waiter actually did get a little flirty it was it was cute at first he made me a, a latte art of a heart which was fine and then he he came over and asked my name which which I suppose was fine and then he came over and stood by me until I made him my friend on Facebook which was somewhat less fine and then that night he sent me Five or six increasingly urgent Facebook messages about how how pretty I looked and sexy I looked in all my pictures, which was not fine enough that I blocked him and did not go back to the cafe so there was that. I went to a few French movies without subtitles, which I know I am bilingual, but it was it's always good practice for me to go to French movies, and this was. Ex- it was fun. I enjoyed Okay, the movies some of them were awful. I saw this one called The Visitors or The Visitors 2 and it was about these two guys. I think they're from the I think they're from the 1800s and they went back to the French Revolution and the, the big gag is that they smelled and their teeth were bad and that's basically the gag that propelled the entire movie forward and it took a while to, you know, not hate it. But um it was good French practice and it was at a very neat theater. I think it was called the Rex it's this historic theater with a cityscape and, and stars in the top of the theater. So I, that's something else I did. I met some friends for coffee, for meals. It was really nice seeing some of my friends that were in Paris. That's always a treat. I wandered around the cemetery where Edith Piaf was buried. Uh, they sell maps to the cemetery, but I was foolish enough to figure I could find it without a map, which... <laughs> Eventually, I did, but it took a lot of wandering and the rain. I'm surprised I didn't get sick then, and it was it was a be- it's a beautiful cemetery. If ever you are in Paris, go to that cemetery. It's, it's the cemetery, so that was something that's nice to do. I had the best cocktail of my life at the Peninsula Hotel. So, if one is in Paris and willing to spend far too much money on a cocktail, that is the place to go. Oh my gosh, it was just so good. I don't even really drink and it was just so good. What else? I took the subway or the metro basically everywhere. I walked around the Tuileries, I, Tuileries, I walked around by the Louvre, I walked on the different bridges, I sat by the Seine, I went to a couple museums. Um I walked around the Jewish district, the old Jewish district with a falafel. If you're in Paris and you, you find the falafel place, that's that's the old Jewish district. I lost knitting. I lost the Cabernet hat that I made that I loved. That got lost, and I lost a shawl that I really really also loved I it luckily I I think I can knit it I just need to figure out the pattern and I plan to re-knit that or maybe maybe there's a chance I can I can still get it back I think I left the hat at the mall which just shows going to the mall when you're in Paris is punishable by loss knitting but I think I think this the shawl might be at a pub and I should just call them before it's too late I, you know what i I like Paris at, at first day at first, I didn't. I don't know if I talked about this already in the podcast, but at first, I don't know everyone just talks about how romantic it is and and Paris, and I sing about Paris all the time, and it seemed to me that it was it's a symbol of romance, and I was there alone and maybe there was supposed to be a romantic encounter there that in fact, there was not that might have been part of this trip which did not help things, but after I went away to Prague and then came back, I really was able to enjoy the city, and I'm really glad I I did. It was lovely staying in a a flat. It was really lovely staying in a flat in my friend's friend's flat, and so having not a hotel, but my own tiny, tiny little flat, which was just fine, I went to a laundromat, figured out laundry, which wasn't all that hard except actually it was and I needed someone's help because I am i was kind of an idiot and couldn't figure out how to close the door of the machine, but that wasn't a language thing. That was just Melanie being an idiot thing. I went to the area of the Bastille with the market. I bought a crepe at the market. I don't know. I just sort of walked around and did Paris, and I think that's probably the best way to do it. I was under the Eiffel Tower during a hailstorm, on an otherwise lovely day. Oh, I managed to take um, I managed to take promo photos for my new Piaf and Browl show that I'll be performing if I ever get my voice back. So overall, it was a really good trip to Paris. I really enjoyed those days there. And when I was finished, I hopped on a plane, I went back to Alberta, and Deborah came, and we celebrated Passover with the family there. And that's basically it for this trip. that's basically all i I left from the Edmonton airport and then I got back to the Edmonton airport. I almost felt like i should I should i don't know hit my hand down on the if there was a Newell post or something and say, "Okay, there we go. I started here, I ended here, but I guess that's how I felt i was I left my bed to travel around the world, and I ended up back in bed at the end of the trip and with a little gerbil and a little sparrow waiting for me and my mom of course and and it was an amazing incredible trip there there were some things part of the trip that I will never forget i met so many wonderful people i'm hoping i will continue having contact with, with some of the people i met and I hope to go back. I mean, you never know, but I would love to go back to any of the places, except maybe the airport in Ethiopia. I think I could skip that. And that's it, I guess. That that was this adventure. I really, I really shouldn't be talking because I need to be able to sing for the next adventure, which is coming up soon. So I guess that's it. Thank you so much for being with me during this adventure. And Next up, Deborah and I are going to Maryland, Sheep and Wool, And after that, I am going back to Europe for another tour. But this one, I'm just going to, I'm going straight there. I'm not going via Asia and Africa. So it's, it's comparatively a small little hop. <sighs> that still leaves plenty of time for knitting now. Don't worry. It's neat and it's sweet. It's a ding dong tree. socks
2: for little feet. with
1: your knitting. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Savvy Girls Podcast. If we've made it this far, I survived my trip. Hooray! I'm recording this at the beginning of the trip. I'm so curious what's going to go wrong, what is going to happen. But if you, in, assuming I'm not in a harem or in jail, you can reach me at mute. Wait, you can, you can reach me at Melanie at SavvyGirls.ca, Deborah at SavvyGirls.ca, podcast for Savvy Bro at Savvy for Savvy Bro at podcast podcast at SavvyGirls.ca for Savvy Bro. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. Savvy Girls PCAST for Twitter. Savvy Girls Podcast for Facebook. We are around. And please contact us. We love feedback. Reminder, hate mail will likely be read on the show. So if you want to air your views and you feel they have to be negative, bring it on. But meanwhile, (laughs) see you next time. Deborah will be back. Who knows what's going to happen. Savvy Mom will likely be there. And... Yeah, tend to your knitting, kitten. <laughs> You're
0: all the yarn, green, drop, out the door right now. all the green. My cardigan would look silly without lime
2: green stripes. I shout, I shout if I want to, and do you know why? Why? Because I hate knitting.